0: Welcome to Winning in the Workplace. Hi, I'm Gordy Rush, and I'm with my good friend, Maurice Velasquez. How are you, Maurice? Hi,
1: I'm doing well. How are you, Gordy? Good. Good Maurice to be here. is with
0: Team Real World, and in this show, we're going to discuss the alignment model. Now, last week, we talked in detail about how companies get so unaligned that we create disengagement throughout our company.
1: Yeah, we do that all the time.
0: Now, today, we're going to dive into the solution, the answer on how to get aligned. It's the magic answer. That's right. What makes up the alignment model? So, Maurice? All right.
1: Well, let me break it down for you. It's what we call the alignment model. All right? And the alignment model is made up of five key elements. Okay. Okay, And we can break those down. Of course, we're going to break one of them down today. But the first one is this, is that management executives need to know that there are four phases to helping a team get to perform. Okay. And if we don't understand those four phases, managers and executives mess things up. So we'll cover that a lot in detail. But there's four phases to a team, okay? Secondly is you need to learn how to align everyone's roles and everyone's responsibilities so that everyone stays in what you and I often say, everyone stays in the same lane, in their lane. Oh, no question. Okay. And because we get so much out of lane, we step all over each other's roles. So we need to know what it means to... Clarify each other's roles. The third element Mm -hmm. of the alignment model is how to have real conversations. Oftentimes in the market, there's a really good uh, concept out there called uh, crucial conversations. Okay. Other ones called uh, radical candor. This follows the same theme. Okay. But our model, we call it real conversations. Real conversations. Real conversations. Okay. Uh, About Problems, solutions, and making sure everyone in the company has a place to go talk Mm -hmm. about real problems and real issues. So that's the third element. The fourth element of the alignment model is how to create a rhythm of conversation so that every week, every two weeks, things are moving, okay? And that because everyone has a rhythm of conversation, uh, sorry, because everyone has good conversations, we've got to make sure that there's a rhythm, that every week, The decisions are being made and being announced. Gotcha. So that uh, just like a human body, it has a brain, it has a voice, right? It has a heart. Companies the same way. They have to have a rhythm of being going to say, okay, when are we going to use our voice? When have we made certain decisions? When have we announced certain decisions? And we tend not to do a rhythm of communication. So we may be having conversations, but it, no one really knows what's going on. So this fourth element of the alignment model brings it together. Gotcha. All right. And the fifth is how to help everybody stay on the same page once we've said, execute. <laughs> okay, once we said, let's take that mountain, or we say, hey, yeah, let's do this. And that, you know, that that decision of let's do this may be let's go get some more data. Okay. Well, if we all agree that we haven't made a decision, but the decision we've made is that let's go get data, one person can then go and poo-poo the idea. And then one person can not go and, and say, well, I don't, you know, I, I think we're going to decide on this. Wait, we have to be on the same page. So that f- the fifth element of the alignment model is how to stay on the same page, depending on what the decisions are. Gotcha. Okay. So those things brought together teaches everybody, all of our listeners and everyone who goes through our program, the knowledge of saying, okay, we're a team. We know how to play this game together By because we know we have these five elements of the alignment model.
0: Okay? Excellent. All right. Perfect. Now, I'm going to want to just tackle one yeah, element. Yeah, let's, let's just of, tackle of one of The four of them. phases of a team. The first, first one. Okay. this show is winning in the workplace. Yeah. And you can find us at winningintheworkplace.com or where else, Maurice?
1: Uh, you can find us. Uh, you can uh, c- contact me directly at maurice at teamrealworld.com or okay. call us at 225-772-4357, which is 772-HELP. Gotcha.
0: Now, let's jump in. And, Maurice, everybody wants to perform. Yep. And everyone wants their team. To perform, mm-hmm. that's the fourth phase, right? That's
1: the fourth phase. The okay. fourth phase of the team is uh, we'll cover one, two, three in a minute. But the fourth phase is the fourth the, the phase the phase of performance. Gotcha. Right. Yep. So
0: you're saying, however, although we need to get to perform consistently, right? We as managers and executives do a lot of things in the first three for the first three phases, right? That we keep our teams from performing. Yeah, right?
1: and, I'll, and I'll just tell you the one thing real quickly, and then we can we can get a little more okay. organized. But ha- what we oftentimes do is we hire people. And we say, okay, we hired you. Now perform. Go do your job. Go do your job. And we leave them alone.
0: Yeah,
1: that's that's the problem. Is that we want to quickly jump every new hire or every new team quickly into performance, but we don't take into account that there's three other phases before. All right. So, so if the you four phases are. Let, let's go with the four All phases. Right. The first one is the the f- the phase of forming. You got to form your team. The second one is the the storming phase where mm-hmm. there's a lot of disagreement the third one, that's the, the first one's forming. The second one is storming. The third one is norming when we basically get on the same page and then the fourth one is performing. Okay. So we have to go through the first three correctly to get to performance, but I think it'd be better if we start with a fourth one first, because that's really what matters is how do we get to perform? All
0: right. So you know? yeah, how, how, how do managers and executives? Well,
1: and- uh, the, the things that we teach is that there's four basic things to help teams perform is you have to define what performance is in other words you got to be able to measure it right. you got to have a metric okay it has to be managers and executives have to review the progress on a weekly and monthly basis. third we have to provide training for whenever someone's not performing and fourth we have to do a lot of celebration and a lot of recognition for those that are performing mm-hmm. and this is a weekly monthly kind of thing. All right, executives and managers tend to not do those things, but those are the four things that we need to do: is set, define metrics. Right. Secondly, review the progress. Third, train, provide training when someone's slipping, or fourth, celebrate. Do a lot of celebration.
0: All right. So, it's really about setting up clear scores, metrics. Right. It is. It is.
1: See, um, how many times? See, it's kind of like this. Let me give. Let me give you an example. It's like we tell technicians. Okay, Mm -hmm. you guys need to be really good at being technicians or I may have hired you knowing that you're a good technician. Right. Right. But no one told you or no one's made it very clear that what that means in this company is that every day you have to go and visit and have five to eight clients that you visited every day. Well, you know what? The glass company, we're doing six Mm -hmm. or five, maybe five. But you, Gordy, you want me to perform at seven. But you hired me, but we never really have talked about what's the day-to-day expectation of my job. So you see, you're going to sit there and go, one more easy. I thought he was a really good technician, but he's not getting out there to the clients and he's not working those tickets fast enough. Why? Because I'm used to doing five Mm -hmm. a day, but you're wanting me to perform closer to eight. Well, no one's told me that. Okay. Second of all, you want me to report all my activity on a report by the end of the day by five o'clock. Yeah. Well, no one's told me that. You know, I'm used to basically, I'll send it to you more by 10. All right. And third, you want, to make, you want to make sure that my rework is no more than 12%. Well, man, last company I was at, we were working perfectly fine with a 22%, 28% rework.
0: So got and no set,
1: one's told me right. that 12% is what what, what what where I need to be at.
0: So, you, so you're talking about setting up the metrics. I assume then the executives are the ones who are going to set the metrics.
1: Yeah. Uh, Let's say the, the let's say the big global ones, yes. the executives say. Okay. For example, I, I I usually like to use this example. The executives are the ones that should say, take that mountain. That's a very global right. one. Okay. All right. Um the managers are the ones that say, Okay, let's do it like this. Right. Let's go on the right of the mountain, and then up vertically. You see what I'm saying? And then what happens, however, is that managers tend to wait and expect that it's the executives that have to figure all that out. Got you. Okay? So so a company could say, we want to open up an office, and uh, we, don't, we want to open up a franchise, and we need to make sure – sorry, we need to open up a remote office, and we need that office to perform at 26% profit. Okay? Right. Well, the managers need to then engage and start finding out by when, okay, in the first month, in the first year, with three employees, with, mm-hmm. with six employees, with how much marketing are we going to do? You know what I'm saying? Right. So the managers have to engage the, the executives to say, okay, we heard your big goal, but we need to engage you of what we think the little things are that need to be done to get to that goal. Gotcha. So there, it's a so, collaborative conversation between the managers and executives on what those metrics are.
0: All right. Then let's discuss how to review these monthly, sure. weekly. Weekly, you got to keep the conversation going. Yep,
1: sure. All right, yeah. Uh, see, if if those metrics aren't defined, then mm-hmm. people are going to go in 12 different directions, right? Right. All right. Um, otherwise, what happens is people forget, and then you mm-hmm. lose accountability.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: See, you get on to me for example as an executive manager supervisor you get on to me because i'm not performing right okay but i'm not i'm not following through but i also know that you're not going to ask me about it for another 6 weeks yeah you see what I'm saying? So, it's not just about giving metrics, it's about the executives letting the managers know, look, these are the metrics that matter to us and every week we're going to ask you managers about where so we you're are. Going to be held accountable. And you managers need to hold your supervisors accountable to the whatever metrics you're setting up for them to meet our met. And then the supervisors need to hold, you see what I'm saying? There needs to be a consistent agreement that in order to perform, we all have to have something to be measured by.
0: Excellent. All then right.
1: do training and do a lot of recognition. Right. Don't. You got two quick quotes for us? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of them is by Henry Ford. He said that uh, somebody came up to him and says, well, what happens if we spend all this money training people and then they leave? All right. He says, you know what's worst is if we don't, if we don't train people and they stay. Got you. Okay. And then he added on later in his conversation, it says, just people love parties and people love to be given gifts okay, of recognition. But what people mostly want is recognition. And right. it doesn't have to be with money, just I like constant, that. ongoing recognition.
0: Welcome back to Winning in the Workplace on WBRP Talk 1073 FM. My name is Gordy Rush. He is Maurice Velasquez from Team Real World. And we're talking about the alignment model. And how it starts with understanding the four phases of a team. Right, so Right. We've covered uh, the four phase of performance. You said, however, that if we wanted to stay performing consistently, we needed to the uh, get the first three phases. Right. We, uh, we tend to gloss those over. We do. But what are those first three? Uh,
1: we we tend to gloss them uh, a lot, Gordy, and and we just don't realize how much we hurt ourselves. Okay. Uh, and so, what I hope that everyone catches is listen to it. It's kind of like a domino factor. That if you set these up, the pain of setting up dominoes it's really monotonous, you know, and, it's, and, it, and it, you mess up a lot. But once you set it up, and then you knock over the first face correctly, mm-hmm. this and you do the second, one, it just it you you'll find yourself that oh my goodness, we're performing. Yeah. But if you bypass the first three faces and you try to force performance. It's not it, it, you're going to be working against yourself because you didn't set it up right. Okay, so let's go back to the first phase, which is where it all starts, and that's forming. Okay, okay so define forming. So forming basically means is how many how many players do you have on a baseball game baseball team? Nine. Okay, what if I tell you we're going to win this the World Series, the College World Series, but I couldn't find a good first baseman? So we're going to do with eight. You're in trouble. Well, no, 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 no. See, see, we, we just we we really got a good second baseman, and he can cover for both second good and first really well. That, right. No, 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 no. You don't you understand Gordy. You don't understand Gordy. I really, I got a really good team, and you know what? That first baseman, he's just he just won't perform well, and and we're really rethinking whether we need a first baseman. I mean, you know, we're going to try a new model. You I mean, don't you,
0: make it to Omaha Maurice. Okay, But
1: do you see what you see I my, see my what point? You're saying, right.
0: how many times do you yeah. hear yeah, no, no, we'll, yeah, we'll get it. You know, so you, you haven't got, gone you, through you, the foreman. You, you
1: got you got five people in your team, okay? And you as a manager, you may like Larry over here, right? And but you're one of your executives, they don't like that Larry how Larry's performing. See, that goes back to the whole issue of not being on the same page about performance metrics. But for whatever reason, all of a sudden Larry announces they're quitting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So great. The executive's happy. That Larry's gone. You're not, right? No. And no. you know you need Larry. Right. You can't have Larry, but you now need you now know need you now know you need to fill Larry's spot. Absolutely. Okay. But you can't get approval for that. And so your executive says, well, just use the other four people to cover for that. And then you're stuck in a very precarious situation because your staff knows. Your second baseman knows, well, I can't perform. All that work's gonna fall on me. And this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. But obviously, the decision has been made. So we decide, you know what? Just put that vacancy on hold. Right there, you're going to then next day say, all right, now we've got to perform like this. Good luck. It's not going to happen.
0: So let me play devil's advocate. Sure. I mean, we hired you. You are an expert. Right. So why can't we ask you to perform faster?
1: Okay. Remember the, the, the great technician you and I talked about earlier? Yes. I was a great technician at that company. I don't know how to be a great technician at your company. Got you. I got to figure out the the politics. I got to figure out the players. I got to figure out how decisions are made around here. And I'm trying to show you, Gordy, how I'm supposed to perform because I'm a good performer. But I got to figure out a lot of stuff in the first 90 days that if the team is not there to play and practice together – we're, those t- those technicians are going to, they're human, so they're so just going to slip through the cracks.
0: you fine. What has to happen in the first 90 days? Well, in the
1: first two days, is clear job descriptions up front. Mm-hmm. Okay. We tend to hire people with a job description that really doesn't matter. Okay. It's five years old, you know, whatever, it just doesn't apply anymore. And so we don't ask ourselves the question is this still the job? So we need to commit ourselves that everyone comes on board. With a clear job description, or if you don't have a clear job description, then get that person to figure it out in the first 30 days and get them to write one for themselves. Mm -hmm. Talk about an incredible amount of engagement when you do that. Sure,
0: absolutely, when they do that. You know,
1: because they come in and go, so I don't have a job description, no, but you're not going to be held accountable to anything right now except this come up with a job description and come up with three metrics Mm -hmm. within your job description in the first 30, 45 days where you can be considered successful. Okay, You see what I'm saying? You're empowering the person to go, whoa. Oh, and by the way, every six months, you will be empowered to change your own job description again if you see it changing.
0: So let me ask you this. What if a department loses an employee and the manager wants to replace that person, but the executive doesn't? The,
1: The scenario we talked about earlier, right? Right. Okay. At that point, it's really a disagreement between the executive and the manager as to what that position needed to perform as. And so the manager has to really advocate very hard and very professionally as to why you need that person. And a lot of times the executive, they'll have a hard time saying this to the manager. He says, well, look, I just don't think you were managing
0: them right. Hmm. So... Executives being connected to the managers. So let's talk about this. What, what about an executive that? What if he knows good people to hire and he's insisting that person is uh, to be hired?
1: The the the, ah, good question, Gordy. Okay, the the problem with that is is a key word you just said is what? Insisting. Yeah. Okay. People have to be able to hire their teams. Okay, because you as an executive or whatever upper line you are, Mm -hmm. you need to see how good they are at bringing their team. And if they can build their team and give you the performance numbers you need, why does it have to be your people? Yeah, but I know someone that's really good. Yeah, but but you got to realize if you impose that too hard, you're going to remove a lot of the ownership that every human being likes to by building their team. So what I would say is don't insist is agree that there's a process that the executives and the leaders above can introduce people and they should be considered because there is a sense of, well, look, I'm an executive. I know sure. this person. Give give my people a little bit, kind of like a fast pass in Disney World, kind of, you know, get a little fast. Pass. Yeah, sure. they, 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 they should have some preferred. Get to the front of the line. Right. Get to the front of the line. But it cannot be that, oh, well, we got to hire this person because, you know, it was recommended by Gordy and you know how Gordy gets about that. You know what I'm saying? And it, it, Not that that's what you do. I'm just using Gordy as an example. But, but so you know, I you,
0: think broader than we come out, the executives basically have the opportunity to choose their managers. Yes. But at that point, the managers, you give them their goal, right? their Their job description, right? And allow them to go, hire their own team and find however they want to get to it within reason. It, within reason,
1: within the counsel sure. of other managers sure. and HR and the executive. Within you don't operate and You, 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 you don't operate it, it as a vacuum. Sure, right. But ultimately, yes. So I, where I've seen it help work really well is where everyone can recommend their friends, their 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 buddies, their family members. But it's understood that there's a process, and we will give preferential treatment for internal re- references. Okay. But they go through the same vetting process, and if the team, the managers or the team that's hiring, does not feel that they're a good fit, then you have to respectfully recognize that it. it just didn't work.
0: All right. So conclusion. Yeah. So basically fill up your team. Yes. Assign them their roles. And get them to practice well together. And they basically have 90 days to prove themselves. Oh, yeah. The
1: 90 days is it. Because you're not only, quote, testing that person and vetting that person, you're vetting the team that's bringing them on board. Yeah. you got 90 days. Help that person define their role, if not define it for them, and then train them. On what? Well, what are the three, four metrics that they're going to be successful on? And train them on that. Don't train them on everything train them on that which is going to make them successful. Okay? And do that really well. So I would I would break it up into three. The first month, clarity on the job description. Okay. S- the second month, lots of clarity on the metrics. Mm-hmm. Begin the training that second month, okay? And the third month, train them and let the team play, you know, work together for that pra- for that month practicing the metrics. And every one of your new team members should be able to be formed okay if you do that by, and make sure that all your vacancies are filled now you got a team to work with and if you brought them up like that you have a greater chance of not getting stuck in the storming phase, and that's where we'll go in our next segment. Okay, so... I, I, let me say this. Yeah. If you do the forming phase well, you will lessen the many times that you're going to get stuck in the storming phase.
0: All right, so any other talking points? How about vacant positions? How long should you, you keep them open?
1: Uh, vacant positions, we we help. We, we usually coach our clients. Now, all, all companies are different, but by and large, the default is... Don't hold a position for more than 90 days and still keep that on the org chart. In other words, if you—if the decision is we're not going to fill that position, then just make that decision. And this is a, guys, we're going to reshift our workload. We're going to do with four rather than five. this we're, we're no longer a team of five employees. We're a team of four And go to the org chart and remove that position from the org chart, so that you give clarity that this is our team. So,
0: and then eventually you got to shift the workload or something, right?
1: But that's that's okay. Companies have to do that all the time. Just because you had five before, that means you have to have five now. But within the ninety days of a person leaving, if you're not going to fill it, have those discussions and figure out we're not going to fill it, and let's go ahead and close that vacancy. All right. Okay. But if you keep it open then work with your HR department to get that position filled Uh, I would say no more than 30, 45 days after a person leaves.
0: All right. Welcome back to Winning in the Workplace on WBRP Talk 107.3 FM. I am Gordy Rush. He is Maurice Flashquiz from Team Real World. Say hello.
1: Hello, Gordy. Hello, everybody.
0: We are doing fantastic. And we've been talking about the alignment model. Yes. And how it starts with understanding the four phases of a team. Correct. So let's get going into phase two. The storming phase, right, and why right. is this one so difficult? Well,
1: let's let's just do a quick review, if that's okay. The sure. fourth phase is performing, right? And we talked about how to help people perform. Uh, but in order to do that, you have to go to the first phase and make sure that your team is filled up and that you have formed your team, right? Baseball okay. team can't perform with only eight players. Then you got to make sure all your vacancies are filled. All right, then we get into the next phase. And this is the phase, Gordy, where everyone hates it. It's it's the most difficult one of them all. Unfortunately, it is the phase that most companies and organizations are stuck in. Okay. And that is the phase where there is an incredibly large amount of disagreements about processes, about how we make decisions, about everyone's roles. about uh departments not talking well with each other people not, not you know all the pushing and shoving that happens in business okay that's storming yeah, think of it think of it. you going on a boat crew on a cruise and you hit lot you know a very large storm mm-hmm. that's what that feels like the okay. boat is just storming way too much unfortunately thankfully the the crew most cruises get to their destination, okay? Right, so right. the good thing is that we as we as humans and we as Americans are very talented at doing a, or being very profitable with a lot of dysfunctionality, okay? But that's not what everybody wants. <laughs> what everybody wants and they know it's a better workplace if we can actually get to our destination of performance without so much unnecessary storming. Gotcha. So, clear off from the top. There is always going to be storming and there's necessary storming. What we want to avoid is Unnecessary storming. Okay. okay. But most companies get stuck in unnecessary storming. And so what happens is managers, they hate this face. Everybody hates this face. So what managers tend to tell their people is what? Look, I hired you, get along. And then they tend to walk away. All right. And then the supervisors left with a mess because they're looking at the managers and going, help. And the managers are like, you know what? you know what? Stop the drama. Tell your people, be thankful they have a job. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, Gordy, that that's that's the most common approach, right? right? Then the problems arise and the managers go to the executives and they go, man, my people, and they express up. And what do the executives say? Same thing. (laughs) Same Same thing. You know, it's like, come on, man. You know, and so the problem is, is that we're too detached because we're trying not to deal with the drama. Because by the time the problems are not resolved, the only way that, Staff know how to deal with it is with drama. Okay. And so we don't want to deal with that. So we tend to want to just say, get along, get over it, find a solution and perform. You see that? You see the four faces? Absolutely. We tend to just jump to performance. Just perform. And so what happens is that, that we don't know how to help them and we don't know how to get them out of storming. OK, um, so um, let me let me share with you the things that we need to do in order for super for ma- for executives to help managers manage to help supervisors and supervisors to help staff. Okay. OK, the easiest way to show it, though, is let's just talk in terms of supervisors and staff. OK, because if supervisors can master this skill right here, most of the issues go away. OK, and I'll just say that 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 most companies don't invest in training their supervisors how to be great leaders because they're wanting the managers to become great leaders. Well, you know why people leave their job mostly? Because of their immediate first supervisor. You know what I'm saying? They're not right. leaving they don't leave the company because of the manager. The right and what have you. So they're, they're not leaving the company Doug. because of the executives. Right. They're not they're leaving the company because, because of they who? The
0: person they got to report to.
1: And that person is usually a frontline supervisor. Okay. So if we train the supervisors how to do what we're going to talk about today, Gordy, most of these problems go away. So what you do is this is 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 that the supervisors they need to realize that people are storming. They're arguing about one of these four things. One is they're usually disagreeing about a process.
0: Okay,
1: Look, this is the way you do it. That's not the way you do it. The way you do it is like this. No, the way you do it, they're usually having a disagreement as to a process. Okay. Okay. Then second thing, they're disagreeing about someone's role. Okay. Now, why is she? Okay. Now, why is she? Now, wait a minute. Hold on. I thought I was. Okay. And so- If supervisors realize that that's mostly where the issues are, they should realize that we can tackle this. What you guys are talking about is you guys aren't agreeing on a process. You see, and you can actually eliminate a lot of drama. Yeah. Okay. Or the supervisor can say, okay, so I think what you guys are saying is you guys don't agree as to who should do this. What are you saying? Well, I think it should be this person that does this, and I think this. You see, and the supervisors can help them. Dissect the, the the conflict. Gotcha. Right? The third thing that there's most conflict about is disagreement about something that another department is doing or not doing. Okay, are we going to talk to accounting about our reimbursement checks? Why do I have to wait six weeks to get reimbursement checks? Because it's a process, but it's right. a process in another department. Well, you go talk to that department. What does accounting say? Well, how many times have we asked you guys to fill out the right form and, fit and turn it in by a certain amount of time?
0: Beautiful. Then you've got shots across the bow. you got shots
1: across the bowel, But you see, the supervisors right. are not willing and they're also not empowered to go across departments and have those aligned discussions, okay, because oftentimes the managers don't encourage that empowerment, okay. okay, whereas what the manager should do is empower the supervisors to say, okay, hold on. Supervisors, you you know what the problem is, right? Well then go talk to Lori at accounting. Don't 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 talk to the director of accounting. Go talk to Luke at accounting, right? Mm-hmm. And I bet you guys at your level, y'all could figure it out.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? How many managers do that? Very few. They kind of go, oh, they either go one or two extremes. They go, Oh, y'all just figure it out mm-hmm. and they don't walk them through it. Or they say, Okay, fine, give it to me, I'll take care of it. And what happens to that sheet of paper?
0: Well, it, it never gets done. It never it's gets done. Somewhere, because
1: right. that manager's got, they're so busy with what they're doing, they're not going to waste their political chips to go talk to the director. You see what I'm saying? Right. And so the managers lose a beautiful opportunity to tell their supervisors, you guys go figure out what, what's bothering your people. Realize it's going to be processes, roles, or across department stuff. Go across, go let them know. I bet you guys are going to find some common solution. Before you implement it, let me and the other director know, bam. Yeah. Okay. All right. The fourth one is something that the company's doing that the other department can't fix, the manager can't fix, It needs to be brought up where? To the executives. Okay. That's when the supervisor needs to then go up to the manager and go, look, I think I figured out what the issues are. I think I figured out why people are upset. First of all, I got three process issues. We got those. We'll take care of those. We'll write the process. We'll show them to you. I got two issues that have to do nothing with roles, and what I'm going to do is rewrite some job descriptions. I'll take care of that next week. I'll let you know. The third issue, I found about two issues that we need to go talk to other departments, and so I'm on top of that. Let me just pause now, Gordy, and ask you, what if supervisors talk like this?
0: Oh, it'd be fantastic. Yeah. And that's what
1: managers want.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay? But managers don't know how to coach their people to think like this, all right? And so the fourth one is, you know what? I also talk with them that they don't appreciate how the company's handling benefits. See, that's something no one else can do except who? The executives. Correct. So the supervisors need to know that they can go up and bring to the management team those items that have to deal with management stuff or that have to go up to the executives. And the the managers have to be willing to say, what are the problems? What are the problems? What are the problems? Gotcha. But the agreement is you guys take care of your problems and bring to us
0: our problems, but All you right. can't just figure that out. You got to, you so got, you got to talk through it's, it. You know, it seems like a complex, difficult process. Yeah. How realistic is it? Well, oh,
1: um, I would say it's it, it, it's done, but Gordy, it, it, the only way it works if we just get practical about it. If we just talk in theory, what I just did was talk in theory, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not going to get fixed. The only way it gets done if it's if we realize this is really a practical issue. Question are the supervisors meeting with their people every week? Right? Are they finding out what the problems are? Are they talking to their people and saying, what solutions should we come up with, and can you guys help me write a proposal? Okay? Can I go talk to that other person? In other words, that's the practicalness of it. Right. Okay? And the managers need to say, look, supervisors, this is how you fix problems. That's why we invite our people to come to our workshop in in pairs, a manager and a supervisor, so they can both see each other's role. Um, Because if you... because Because if the supervisors do this, they can go then and advocate. Right. Okay. But what happens? If we don't do this, the problems remain. Everyone gets disengaged. People leave. Or worse, what Henry Ford said is what? They stay disengaged. Right. Okay. So it's realistic, but it takes a commitment by the managers and the supervisors to agree that they're going to tackle problems every week and find solutions and not let problems stagnate anything. That's the practicality of it.
0: All right. So we're going to jump into norming next. Correct. Uh, we've got folks listening out there. You've got a lot of things going on. How can they help themselves out today?
1: The best thing to do is for two of you, mm-hmm. preferably
0: either an executive and a manager
1: or a manager and a supervisor, come to our one-day boot camp August 24th from 8 to 4.30 at our training center here in Bat Rouge. Okay. It's a day chock full with case-by-case examples, scenarios, and a lot of really good tools on how to apply this model. Uh, it's very tailored to that group. That that group that shows up, we tailor the alignment model for their needs. And so what we also offer is a 50% discount off of every second person you bring if they mention they heard it on the show.
0: All right, Maurice, how can they get in touch with
1: you? Uh, call me at 225-772-4357, which is also 772-HELP. Or you can email email me at Maurice at TeamRealWorld.com.
0: All right, you are listening to Winning in the Workplace. We'll be back and talk a little bit more about this alignment model in norming. That's next on Talk 107.3 FM, WBRP. Welcome back. Final segment here on Winning in the Workplace, Talk 107.3 FM, WBRP. My name is Gordy Rush from Team Real World. He is Maurice Velasquez. Maurice, hello.
1: Hey, Gordy. How are you? Good, good to be here. Good,
0: good. Let's wrap things up. We've been yeah. talking about the alignment model and how to use it to increase your team performance morale and engagement mm-hmm. so we've talked about storming which is right. phase two right and uh, that we need to listen to the staff and help them find answers to their problems so then we go to phase three which is norming
1: which is yeah uh, norming is is the one that um, that we pat that we almost skip all the time uh, see with storming the just the nature of problems it forces us to go to storming. You know what I'm saying? But what happens with norming is that we just we forget to do these things, okay? And and we don't realize that, man, you can't really ask people to perform if you don't norm. So what does norm mean? Norm means this. Remember the problems that we disagreed with in storming? Mm-hmm. Okay? What were those problems about?
0: Well, problems about uh, not Process. being able to communicate up and down. Right. You know, obviously, right. part part of that. And That's right. And being not able to have a, a release uh, to... Identify what people's problems are. That's
1: right. And they fail in four areas. Correct. One, processes. Yeah. Right? We're disagreeing about how something is supposed to be done. Second of all, we're disagreeing about the roles. Right? Right. Third, we're disagreeing about what other departments are supposed to be doing or not doing. And then something global. And fourth, the company something global. Right? right, right. Well, you know what we don't do, Gordy, is when we say, okay, I think we figured it out. I I see what we're doing. So what we're saying is we're agreeing that we've had this fight and this disagreement because we're not doing this the same way, but now we're saying we're gonna do it like this. One, two, three, four. Is everybody in agreement? Yes. Everybody says yes is in agreement. Great. Good. We're getting out of storming, but then what do we forget to do?
0: norm it, bring it into agreement into alignment. This is what this is what is normal.
1: Put it on a sheet of paper. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Somebody put it
1: on a sheet of paper. You know, and that sheet of paper can be a formal process or it can be the notes of a meeting. In other words, the notes of a meeting could say is we agree that we we're gonna fix it and put those steps in the meeting notes. Right? right. But but officialize it. In other words, nor- norm it. Uh, make it to where people can't walk out of that meeting and kind of have their own interpretation. Okay. I got you. So but, it's
0: got to be in writing. It has it's got to, to be. be in writing, otherwise people forget about it that they're not gonna make a point.
1: Right. And and we see we just forget, Gordy, that we're just all different personalities. Mm-hmm. Okay. We think we were all paying attention when we said one, two, three, four, right? And we think everybody was listening, right? That nobody tuned out, mm-hmm. that nobody missed any of the steps, All right. And that we were all in agreement about it. Well, what happens is the D's in the room, they're usually not present in that meeting 70 percent of the time why because their head is constantly at at go 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 and i personality is almost not at the meeting 80 percent of the time why because they're likewise triple tasking Mm -hmm. okay the s's they're wanting to ask about five questions for each one of those steps but we didn't give time for that in the meeting right and then the, the high c individuals this is the disc model they're they're they want to ask a lot more details regarding what the impact is going to be. You see what I'm saying? So we come out of a meeting and we had a real quick conversation and we agreed we're going to do steps one, step two, step three, step four. Okay, good. Everybody's on page. Great. Everybody goes up, Boom, leaves the room. And how long does that last?
0: Thirty minutes. One day.
1: One day. Yeah. What happens six weeks later?
0: Everybody's forgot about. It.
1: But the performance issues are still there. That's correct. The problems are still there, and then that's brought up back to the supervisor, back to the manager. And then they go. Wait a minute! I thought we said one, two, three, four. And somebody says, "No, we didn't. We actually said one, two, and five.
0: Yeah.
1: And then somebody else says, "Well, I don't even think we actually agreed." What do you think? Well, you know what? I thought we were supposed to come back and think about it and actually finalize it. I don't. Yeah, I think it's still it was on the table. And here we are six weeks later with the same problems all over again.
0: All right. So I get it now.
1: So in norming. Right. It's all about officializing it. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? It has to be an agreement. The ones, the notes are sent out with the one, two, three, four, everyone agrees. That's it. So if you don't bring it up, you're going to be held accountable to that one, two, three, four. And if you didn't agree, you need to bring it back up again. You know what I'm saying? And if you have more questions, you got to bring it back up. But if we said execute, then that means we're all executing. Ready? Ready, everybody? Let's norm. Everybody on the same page? One, two, Ready? Now, now you're norming, okay? And then for the next 30 days, we're going to practice this together and check its progress every week okay. until we make this problem go away and then ask ourselves the question, what's the next issue? And you keep norming and get everybody on the same page. All right,
0: I get it. So help me out. Fill in the blanks here. Okay. If we identify problems- Correct. And in the if, storming phase. Yeah. Okay. And, and if we find solutions- Right. Correct. Then we make those in the processes or guidelines it, or training modules. That's
1: right. Exactly. By writing them down, right? Okay. That's it. Okay. That's so. That's how you get people and teams out of the storming phase
0: and get them into, into normal. Writing them down, making them the training, the modules, and, and what if have we you. do
1: this consistently and practice the Every things week, we decided, right. what's going to happen?
0: Well, hopefully, you're going to start performing
1: exactly. Right. But everybody's going to be performing as we agreed. Got and you. then managers and executives realize, oh, okay, this is how you get teams to perform. You don't tell them, okay?
0: You let you, them figure it out on their own.
1: But you teach them how to figure it out right, first, right? okay? And you tell them, now that I've shown you how guys how to do this, where do we start? Go find the problems. You see, go find the problems. Go talk to the staff. Find out what the problems are. Let's figure out what those answers are. Let's build them in a process. Let's practice this practice. Perform. Then, two weeks later, what do we do? do find it, out right. what the problems are. Okay, And and just constantly give everybody a comfort level that is very healthy. It's actually expected for everybody to bring up problems. Why? Because we love to fix problems here.
0: So if this is so simple that we just did this in one show and you could fix companies like this and you can make them a million dollars or whatever (laughs) it is. Right, right, right. How come... How come people fail at this, and how come they struggle to get this going? Uh, Three three reasons off the top of your head. What are three reasons? Off the the top of my head is
1: what the Godfather said. It's business. It's not personal. We take everything so personally that when staff bring up issues, the supervisors take it personally. Okay? And then when supervisors bring issues, the managers take it personally. And so there's a defense mechanism, Gordy, that we just— You know, so that's the first thing. Just remember, it's business. Okay. Okay. And in business, there's problems. So go find out what the problems are. And even if it's your fault, you're going to be part of the solution. The problem is, if you become a stopgap in that solution process, that you become a problem. So it's just business. Business operates by taking care of problems. The second thing I would say, Gordy, is that um, have the patience to go through this process. Most of us just don't have the patience because we're so driven to perform, 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 Mm. that we don't realize that if you want to really develop a team, you have to teach them how to fix problems on their own. And this is the way to do it. Okay. Okay. And that leads to the third part is that managers feel that they've been hired to fix the problems. Okay. And they only want to fix the problems that matter to them.
0: Got you. You see what I'm saying? Got you.
1: And then they hire supervisors because they're good at what they do, and supervisors realize they need to fix problems, but they only want to fix the problems that are important to them, okay? So the humility of it is, first of all, it's business. It's not personal. Second, you've got to have the patience to go through the process of learning how to develop, okay? Third, you've got to be humble enough to realize that most of the problems that land on your desk is because they weren't taken care of before when it was on somebody else's issue, so, so they have to listen to each other's problems and say, if that matters to you, I'm going to help you fix your problem. And the managers have to worry about you know what I'm saying be humble to listen to each other as to what's important to them.
0: It's about trust. Got gotcha, And it's try. about
1: trust and humility and servant leadership.
0: All right. So w- w- just a, a little bit of time left. Sure. But let me let me ask you this question, uh, and this is sort of a myth: Do, do great frontliners? Is, is there a rule that they cannot make great supervisors, or they maybe they can? Or does that – and the same from supervisor to question. manager. A lot, of, you know, a a lot of people wonder, like, well, he's a fantastic frontliner, but that's, that's, that's his skill set.
1: Right. That's uh, a good question. Uh, the answer is uh, that no, we should not think of it like that. Okay. If you're a great frontliner uh, and you want to make him into a great supervisor, you have to realize that you just lost a great frontliner. And you probably – are about to promote a horrible supervisor because it's a different task is it is a different skill set so if you're going to promote a good frontliner to becoming a supervisor you need to teach them supervisor skills because those are totally different than what made them frontliner good frontliners so i'll I'll answer to you this way who is a better ball player okay Uh, michael jordan or his coach michael jordan why does he need a coach
0: well, because somebody's got to organize the team, it's a team effort. Even though he scores sixty-three points, so yeah. let me ask
1: you this question: Yeah, who's a better coach, the coach or Michael Jordan? The coach. You see what I'm saying? So, gotcha. So if you're gonna, it, the rule is this: is can this can I teach this person how to be a good supervisor? They may be a lousy frontliner, but could they be a good supervisor? Interesting. See, most supervisors aren't good frontliners. So, But are they good supervisors? Good
0: stuff there. All right, that's our show for today. Now, uh, you've got a boot camp coming up. Yeah,
1: Yeah, August 24th. uh, It's our one-day management excellence boot camp, which is where we're going to train all of our attendees how to apply the alignment model. And what's cool about the, the way we handle the boot camp is that we tailor it for the group that shows up. Okay. We find out all their problems, we put them on the board, we practice what we preach, right? and then we align the model and the class to their specific needs.
0: How can they get in touch with you?
1: Uh, it, call me, uh, 225-772-4357 or 772-HELP or email me at maurice at teamrealworld.com.
0: All right. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to work uh, Winning in the Workplace on WBRP Talk 107.3 FM.